CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called The Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. They've taken the, the most, the least interesting part of that period and made a, made a show about it. Rich people and poor people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Let's dig deeper into that. It's kind of... <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined by jonathan Watkins. hello hello and today we have a very special guest it's director christopher smith whose movie the banishing comes out on vod and digital on november 2nd christopher welcome hello Th- thanks for having me yeah absolutely thanks for coming on um uh i was wondering how did you get involved with this project um, it was about three years ago. I was just finishing off. Um, I was trying to raise money on another film, which I'm now shooting. Uh, and it was, we, you know, we just couldn't get the script where we wanted it. And 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 then someone said, "Look, there's this this film. It's I think you might like it." And so it started that way. Uh, it was definitely more of a traditional um, ghost story based upon the Harry Price hauntings that uh, at the time. Was a, was a, some was a story that's quite familiar in the UK. Uh, I, I I was more intrigued by the period. I was intrigued by the fact the film was set in the 30s, and felt that because of the you know the whole rise of fascism, with what and also with what was going on politically in the world at the time, uh, for, in America and both here with Brexit, I just wanted to. I just didn't like the idea of making a film about. You know that that worked from the premise of the good old days, the old the good old days of of the UK. You know, and uh, when in mm. actual fact it was a period of you know judgment. It was a judgmental period. There was the rise of fascism happening. It was one of the darkest periods. But for some reason, with shows like Downton Abbey and everything, you end up with this kind of very vanilla kind of <laughs> world view of what was actually a terrible period. And it's I yeah. don't know why we. I, you know, I just have no idea why we keep coming back to these stories and showing them as everything was great. It's literally the worst period ever. Yeah, you were ever. just you were just drinking you were just drinking tea, right? That's all you got. Yeah, just, I mean, exactly. you're just drinking tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, but but just the whole period was just yeah. So it was kind of it was like okay, let's do this, but let's try and at least bring in some of the some of the secrets and and you know, ghost stories are very much about what we bring to the haunted house what what are our ghosts what are our demons and and so i wanted to bring all that side into it as well it's funny you bring up downton abbey since you have jessica brown finley in this movie an alum of downton abbey in it uh yes you know uh, was that somewhat on purpose the or well, did you just kind of bring up downton abbey uh, on no, the no, random it's, no 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 i mean but i, I it's funny because because you know jess Jess, um, it works for me. It works. I I knew Jess anyway. Uh, I'd worked Mm -hmm. with Jess before. uh, So for Jess, it was also a good, it was kind of nice to to turn that kind of idea on its head a little bit and and to do something with that, you know, the the kind of persona or the familiarity she brings because of Downton and, and turn that on its head. 
I mean, Jess is just such a fantastic actor, and having her, she's so great in the film. She really carries yeah. the whole, the whole thing. So, it, it, I think it was a fun nod. You know, I mentioned it because it is a nod, but it's also that show is kind of. <laughs> my wife will say, "Well, oh, I can turn off when I watch it. It makes me happy." How can you turn off? You turn off <laughs> in that period. It's a, that, they've taken the, the most, the least interesting part of that period and made a made a show about it. Rich people and poor people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Let's dig deeper into that. It's kind of, it's, uh, I, I had yeah, that, I had a, a question about this uh, being set around World War II and the rise of Hitler, and you have a character in here, the bishop, played by John Lynch who uh, seems to be headed that way is it, it and 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 forgive me if I, i've completely misinterpreted this or, or anything but is, is he does it seem like he's kind of recruiting people that he's got sort of dirt on during this uh yeah during it's, this it's, time it, it's i'm just yeah i'm alluding to this i'm alluding to the idea that that he you know he's you know, I don't want to get, get myself in trouble with the with the church, but this idea right. that, that, that there's that there are this is affiliations. You know, it's like we have to we have to remember at that time. It's like you know, the the, the Hitler believed that the West would eventually realize that you know, for all their their racism, you know, the Bolsheviks are worse, and so mm-hmm. ultimately the rest of Europe will come in line with them and fight Russia was their kind mm-hmm. of thinking and, and that didn't that didn't pan out for them that wasn't the way we you know we we took the other side of it seriously but there was a big debate uh and you know if you look at a film like uh remains of the day there's a whole subplot in there about the, mm-hmm. the aristocracy that are you know the, the royal family being the Mountbattens, the germans and the, yeah. isn't there a way we can all you know all all us white people from europe can fix this so we don't you know there was there were those conversations going on we don't have to right. have a war it's like yeah we do actually have to have a war to fight fascism but they were trying to sort of get around it so i'm just trying to evoke some of that you know and try and, and have a character that's that's trying to walk the line and actually he's in you know he's in with the nazis and and i i guess the sort of slightly more you know and i was very conscious to not lean into the indiana jones element of it the idea <laughs> right. that, that they're looking for relics and these relics <laughs> turn good men against bad and and i think there was an element of that that was kind of going to be in there and i think you know we stripped it back maybe a bit too much and so should it have even been there but but i liked the playfulness of it i also liked the idea that you know of setting up you know, we, I was talking at the time that I would really love to see Harry read Sean Harris's character and John John Lynch, you know, take it on a bit further. And yeah. Because I, I love those two guys and they've both worked with me many times before, a couple of times before. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's how I, I and, yeah. I, I, and, and obviously uh, we've touched a little bit on your cast. Tell me how what the casting process was like and, and how you got some of these people. We, of course, we, we love, we, we love Sean Harris. You know, uh, most of you would be familiar with him in the mission impossible movies. Um, but uh, uh, what, uh, what was the process like for the casting and uh, tell me what it's like working with them. Well, so we, we, um, we very much, you know, there, there's a sort of sweet spot financially, with horror movies now that kind of probably evolved out of the Blumhouse model. When, when mm-hmm. I was starting out making movies, the films like Creep and Severance, they film films in the UK cost about $5 million uh, to mm-hmm. make that kind of movie. And now it's, it's, you know, it's gradually crept down because my goodness, look, paranormal activity costs $50,000 or whatever. So why can't we make a film for $50,000? 
So, so, right. so it's kind of the sweet spot now. It's got to about the the, the where, when you're at the two million dollar bracket, you can, you know, it, it becomes very hard for them not to, you know, if the film is average, not to recoup, you know, in, in mm. if the films. And so, uh, so what what came with that was a real sort of freedom that I'd never had. I mean, there's a, there's a it's a sort of poison chalice because you've got more freedom of casting. You're not always looking for a, a name name, but you mm. have less time to make it. So I felt with this one that look, I've got these relationships with people anyway. Uh, I would, I've always wanted to work with Sean again uh, since creep. Yeah. Um, and Sean always brings something and he always brings, <laughs> he always gives you uh, a wild ride and a wild character. Yeah. And, and, and so I got on the phone with Sean. I said, look, I've got this little film. We want to make it. I, I, I'm, we, we spoke about uh, Coppola's Dracula, which uh, I'm one of the, I think I'm in a minority. I absolutely love that film. Uh, so, you know what? Over the years, I have grown to appreciate yeah, uh, I love it. Coppola uh, Dracula. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's just, just I love it. And I even love Keanu in it. I love all of it. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, it's like, I love his accent and I'm English, you know, I still love his accent. Uh, right. Because actually we are that ridiculous. That, that's kind of how I see it. It's like, this is how Americans see us. <laughs> yeah, we are that clipped and ridiculous. I mean, John Heffernan in the, in our film here, he's not a million miles away from uh, Keanu Reeves in in that in terms of how he, how they play it. It's just that he's English for real, and he's not some cool surf dude, you know. It's like <laughs> right. So so, but um, so we sort of just put it together and said, look, we, you know, Sean, do you want to come in? Do you want to do you want to do this? And and he said, I want to go big with it, and, I, and when, that's why we started talking about Coppola's Dracula of Van Helsing, you know. I mean, my right. goodness, I love the way he is and that, you know, he's, he chews up the scenery. So, so I said to Sean, yeah, yeah, just go off, just go off and you can do anything you want. Bring something wild to the party. And then he rocks up on set with bright red hair stuck up in the air. He looked like a razor, <laughs> a razor head. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> really? Is this what you're going to look like? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you like it? And I'm like, yeah, no, I like it. I like it. Let's do it. And so and we kind got, of went for it. He's got some sort of like eyeliner or makeup or something yeah, on too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he wanted it to be, and he's, he's right. He, he said, if John Heffernan's character, the, the, the vicar, if he's, the most clipped human being that that can't even you know he's not even he, he's sort of you know we allude that he's impotent he's, he's right. literally he's got the most beautiful wife in the village by a mile yeah. he's a vicar but he's unable to sort of consummate that marriage and um then sean's the other you know he's sean straight is he gay is he he's, right. you know, he wears makeup he 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 dances the tango with an unnamed woman at the beginning we we kind <laughs> yeah. of put all these elements to it because in that period if you dance the tango you're just odd that's just like what yeah you know but, there, but it's true that there were women that would come over from south america from argentino that would give you lessons and often you would go there not to dance you would go there just for some human contact because you're lonely and oh so, wow! But it was, you know, it was non-sexual. But it was you could be with a woman and you can have a dance. And so huh. all of that, it's just it's just evocative. And so we kind of we took all those interesting bits and popped it in the film. Yeah. Well, and that's what uh, what makes his character. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a this is a horror trope, but you know, you have a character who is this offbeat and weird and, and, you know, you don't know where he's coming from, but he's also the one who's got all the answers and his right in the movie. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, with all the other stuff going on, you know, you got all these, uh, you know, people seeing, 
things that aren't there, the mirror stuff and all that. And then you have this guy who's like a complete, you know, seems like a complete nut on the, on the surface is the one who's right. Then <laughs> you never know where, if what the right direction is. No, uh, no, exactly. Yeah. It's like your, your, your sensible one is the least sensible character in it. Yeah. Which is why, <laughs> which, is, which again, which again is, is, is Van Helsing in, uh, in, in Coppola's, in Coppola, you know, the way yeah. he plays that. You know, I was yeah. thinking, just a little sidebar, I was thinking, I was chatting to, so I'm working with Danny Houston at the moment on something, and I was chatting to him, and I was like, you realise how amazing Coppola is, is that, that in Godfather 2, imagine that you're directing a scene, and, and then and then John Cazell says, that I'm going to do the scene lying down on a chaise long. And this is the scene where he goes, I'm your kid brother. I was passed over. I'm going to do it lying down. And Coppola went, yeah, great idea. And it was a great idea. But some, sometimes an actor will bring you a choice. And there's some part of you was like, no. Uh, but, but, oh, but if they've got good instincts, and the good ones always do, usually, you know, and, and you just got to go with it. And so there was an element of that with me and Sean on this where I was, uh, um, yeah, where I was like, let's do it. Let's uh, let's let's go big because big is brave and see what we well, end up with. And there's even a moment in here. I, it, you know, it <laughs> he gets beat up pretty bad and then. Mm-hmm. And then he's laughing and you're like, oh, okay, this is your typical kind of a psycho character. But then he's crying like five (laughs) seconds later. Uh, It's kind of an amazing uh, transformation during that scene uh, to go from those two extremes. I mean, it it really does seem like it's going, oh, he's like, ah, yeah, here's your typical, like, doesn't feel anything, psychopath kind of guy. And then he starts crying and he's got a like, there's some real depth to this guy. Yeah, he's uh, that's Sean. It's just Sean brings that. Sean's like he he takes the, always the difficult choices, and it's good, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, but that's it, though, isn't it? It's alcohol. It's like people that give up alcohol. They say the first thing I learned was I don't cry anymore. <laughs> I because mm-hmm. you're permanently you're permanently emotional. It's like yeah, you're either right. up or down. You're up and down, up and down. And he goes, I've, I don't cry anymore. It's kind of it's, it's sort of it's, there's a bit of that to him, I think, as well. There's a bit of the alcoholism that we're, we're, we're touching. On. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but it's great. I'm oh, okay. sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just no, going to no, say, go but it's great because I was thinking, like, you know, that's I think that's what makes him such a great villain. The Mission Impossible movies he's been in because you're both super intrigued. You're both scared to death by him, but you're also super intrigued. But it's not like a it's not like a creepy thing. It's just you just you're scared because you have no idea what his next action. Uh, yeah. is is ever going to be you know yeah and it's, it was so lovely when when i saw that he'd been cast and the, and that tom and him you know tom really likes him <laughs> tom, yeah he's like he was telling me that they're you know they're thinking about doing mission impossible in space and tom said to him apparently hey, sean do you want to go in space it's like <laughs> what he's like he's serious it's like, it's like, i said sure would you go in space he's like fuck no i'm going in space <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Lowestoft, a small fishing town in England. I'm not good at it. <laughs> so I just would love to be privy to that conversation of Tom, him and Tom, because Sean is a very special human being, he's, but he's a very specific type. He doesn't take any fools. You know, He will call you out. He will come right. up to you and call you out straight away if you're doing so. If you're faking it, you know, he's very like, you better have done your homework. You better be prepped on set because he'll call you out. <laughs> 
So in that regard, him and Tom, I'm sure, are very similar because they're very, yeah. very focused, you know. Uh, but, but they're very different people, I would imagine, as well. So it's, yeah. it's, it, it amuses me that he gets on it. Him and Tom are kind of their besties. It's kind of funny. <laughs> our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should, too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Um, you also, uh, have a, have a great child actress in here, Anya McKenna Bruce, who, uh, plays, uh, Jessica Brown Finley's daughter in this and you, your basic story, you know, you have, uh, it's, you know, it's a, a new, new house and, uh, people moving into a new house and the, uh, you know, of course the, the, the child is, is, uh, either got an imaginary friend or hearing voices or something of that nature. And, and, uh, and, and halfway through it, she doesn't even recognize her mom as her own mom. Uh, and there are so many moments in this where I felt like she was beyond her years in her acting. Um, uh, where did you find her? Yeah, she's, she's one of those kids that, I mean, we, we had an audition day set up and mm-hmm. she was the first one in, we were meeting 10 girls and she came in and blew me away. So mm-hmm. I, I then had the painful experience of being pleasant and cordial to mm-hmm. another nine girls that came mm-hmm. in when I'd already chosen who I was going <laughs> right. to So It became one of the longest days ever, but we, we were very lucky. Uh, she's actually, yeah, she's, um, she, she, she looked, it's interesting. She, we, cause we did a, about two days of extra shot pickups about six. I, I had to go off and I did a TV series while the after the edit and we had a little break and then we came back and did i think two or three days of pickups and Mm -hmm. we caught her because she was about 12 when we when we shot on her and then Mm -hmm. we had to do some pickups and she'd rocked up on set and in in those six months she had suddenly shot up in height oh really became a teenager so it was like it was like we were like okay uh you're gonna have to sit a bit lower in the seat and you're gonna have to sort of (laughs) so so we were very lucky she because she yeah we caught her but she's she's got a big future ahead of her i mean there's no doubt about it she she just she's just very deeply focused and 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 she loved all the blood and guts and she's she you know she's 
I was, you know, there's a, there's a scene where she waves at her mum through the window. And I said mm-hmm. to her, you know, you know, I always remember the way Julie Delpy waves in Three Colours White. She does this little thing. <laughs> that, well, it's a random quote, but, but Kieslowski had told her to, to, to wave in a certain way. So I got her to wave like Judy Delpy in Three Colours White. She's like, really? Why? I don't know. It's just interesting. If it's, besides, if it's good enough for Kozlowski, it's good enough for you. So just right. do it. So it's like, yeah. It's, uh, so we had fun on set. And her mum was very supportive. Mostly, you need both. You need you need them to be, because really, they're really down-to-earth family as well. So if you get a mum mm-hmm. and a daughter that have got that kind of vibe, then and we I like to create a fun vibe on set. That it's it all becomes easier, I think. When you've gotten some actors in the past, you know, right before they just kind of shot up, and you had uh, Eddie Redmayne uh, in uh, in Black Death, right? So yeah, maybe, yeah, no, it's uh, th- it, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I, I had Eddie Redmayne before he was Eddie Redmayne. It's, uh, <laughs> he, he he's lovely. I met him again recently, actually, backstage at a theater thing. He's he's a lovely, lovely guy. I mean, it was interesting that when I joined Black Death. Um, I he so they had their eye on somebody else and uh, another actor, and I was brought in. Uh, the other director fell away from the project. Something had happened. He did a lot of the film, and I took it over. And then I looked through the tapes, and I was like, Jesus! I felt the actor they'd gone for looked a little bit. You know, I'd seen him in the in the newspapers. He'd been like out with a model. He was cool, <laughs> and uh, you know, and he had a bit of a profile. And it sort of bugged me that I wanted someone to be this kind of beautiful young innocent monk otherwise that's the only way it would work and then i just saw his, his his tape and i was like who's this guy unfortunately the casting director said he's amazing he's going to be huge and so i had to really fight and every time and, and the producer's like no no i want the other guy he's got more of a profile and i fought and fought now every time i see that producer i'm like all right how's it going with eddie how's eddie getting on? <laughs> it's really a nice kind of yeah you know so i mentioned that to eddie because eddie knew when he was shooting that the producer didn't want him so Eddie had the last laugh. Awesome. <laughs> um, what? Uh, where? Where was uh, all of this shot? So we we were up in a um, again. One of the models now with this sweet spot of the budget is you you try to find a way to make the film and and you can't just do the usual. Let's get the trailers. Let's let's park up in this perfect location and move to this perfect location. What you mm-hmm. try to do is find a space that kind of gives you a studio environment so you what what we've started to do to get around these budgetary issues with horror is you go right let's find a a, an estate where there's got a stately home where there's on this ground it's hard to sort of imagine in america because it's like i guess the closest thing would be a massive rich rancher in texas has got all this land and and these stately homes um are always now put in trust with the government because you can't af- they can't afford to be kept because of, mm-hmm. because because we mentioned Downton Abbey you you need a full Downton Abbey for the things not yeah. to fall apart uh, and so they're in trust now with the with the government uh, but but the owner still has control over it but it's the property of the of the UK now so what you do is you get in touch with them basically what we did was we we moved into the we hired you know we rented the place. And the the house that you see that's our spooky house, the, the, the front door of that is the vicarage on the back of the stately home that you see at the end in the Germany section. So mm-hmm. we, we uh, yeah, we had to. And then we use all the rooms and we 
we that there's small roads and villages that become the country village and so you, you sort of have to box clever really uh it wasn't you know it was no hardship we're all staying in these beautiful beautiful mansion house where we were right. filming so it wasn't you know it wasn't a hardship um yeah but yeah we, so we 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 let the tail wag the dog effectively we, we creatively found a place that could be both our base and our location was all that uh was all that uh like uh, the the secret rooms or you know going around what was where was all of that that's all it's all there it was all in kind of it was all there really yeah yeah so it was like within the that area there was a different barn section that was underneath the you know some of the farming base of, of on the land you know it's not in mm-hmm. the house but nearby in the and oh, okay. there, there, there were seller there were sellers in the in the house but they were containing like ridiculously expensive wine so yeah it, it, was, it, it wasn't quite as it was it was we had to sort of go is there anywhere a bit more spooky that's not a little bit less converted and renovated for millionaires it's like i think tom i think said millionaires i think i think tom i think tom cruise may have even stayed at the place because it's one of those oh really sort of airbnb it's one of those like luxury airbnbs where you can stay with a you can stay and stuff and you can yeah you can <laughs> go trout fishing and it's like that yeah i always wonder about that type of type of stuff because it's a pretty extensive uh sort of secret underground area in the end of this towards the end of this movie that they go through and i was like well maybe they took one room or a couple rooms and sort of you know changed them around to make them look yeah that is what we did yeah that is what we did we 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 kind of um the uh, the underground area there i think was um I think what was it? I think it might have even been like a grain thing originally for keeping grain in and stuff. So like mm-hmm. one of those winter salvo places, but it had that nice white effect of uh, the long tunnel. I think it was all part of the farm uh, element. But it was all on the same grounds. It was very, yeah. It was literally you've got to find your all your locations here. That was basically yeah. the only way you can <laughs> afford to do it. So it's actually quite interesting. So you often make yeah. some cha- you make you make some changes to the script as well to suit the thing. But this is something I I like. I like to um, I've always been I like to go into a place and go okay let you know let's go into a real ship you know the bowels of mm-hmm. triangle. You you it's hard to imagine the bowels of a ship unless you're a sailor. So right. you have it in your head from watching kind of U-boat movies or whatever. But when you actually <laughs> go in there, you find this amazing red room with a red light or something oh, let's do the whole scene with this red light it's you know yeah. so you, you kind of it triggers ideas in me often and so i quite like location shooting uh rather than building everything in a studio which um i have done but you need to find your reference pictures then and be inspired by reference pictures instead of the real place yeah and i feel like uh you know most directors we talk to uh the you know uh, problem solving is one of the best one of the best parts of the job uh is that is that true for you uh, absolutely i mean every day uh, i mean it's 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 like it's refreshing when you hear you know i heard scorsese on an interview saying that he considers himself a film student and then you have mm. spielberg spielberg saying he still gets nerves every time he walks on mm-hmm. to do the first sure. setup you know you've got a new actor everyone's looking at you you've got to kind of come up with an idea uh, you have to, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm currently working with Jenna Malone, who's got literally yeah. she's amazing. She's wow. amazing. Yeah. You know? And she will come up with, with ideas. And this is the whole thing about you. If you've got 
great instincts. Um, you know, Jenna's got Jenna's an incredible actor, and she's also got great instincts. And she'll say, "I'm I'm going to fall down here," you know, and mm-hmm. and I'm just going to be on play the scene on the floor. And we're talking about the John Cazale reference of the. Right. You sort of go, <laughs> you know, and, and again, it's yeah, let's do it. But I've I, I've been in the scenario where the idea is ridiculous as well, and you've got to go mm. no. <laughs> and, and, and but but even with Jenna, she, she'll like it when I say, "No, let's just do the other way because it's weirder." And as long as it doesn't, you know, affect her the way she's playing it, an actor, if it's more interesting, you look at the the Shining. It's like you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Jack Nicholson's not real in the Shining, but my God, he's, <laughs> right. he's interesting. You know, he's mm-hmm. so interesting. And I think I think that's where I'm heading more with films is to really push the push it a bit you know and have fun with it and not be yeah. scared not be safe you know yeah definitely yeah uh i mean i i uh there, there's a really cool effect in here with the mirrors that you've got in here and i'm assuming that you use doubles and things like that but uh talk about those a little bit because those are really fun uh i think i think one of them is in the trailer where uh, Jessica Brown Finley is uh, doing something in a mirror and then the mirror does it later. And then, and then her kid sneaks up on her like out of nowhere and in, in, in real time. Uh, so yeah. Talk about those. How fun were those to make? Yeah. I very much believe that um, the, the, when you look at the old black and white, even the silent movies, um, the man who goes to the moon or whatever, and you have, uh, jump cuts that suddenly a man appears and it's like right. a, and it was a fairground vaudeville thing they couldn't believe you know the in-camera <laughs> tricks and those are yeah. still the best i it's like uh when i did severance i worked with andy nyman who is a is a magic circle magician top level mm-hmm. he he popped a he, he he blew up a balloon on my birthday took out a pen <laughs> And then popped it, and there was a bottle of champagne in front of me. He did it like oh, in front wow. of four people, and, and clearly <laughs> something happened. I've been thinking about this trick forever, and he will never tell me. But as he held the pen up and said, "What shall I write?" Clearly, at that moment, while we were all looking at the pen, he pulled the champagne out behind the bottle. But it's, yeah, and I think the, the 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 best jumps are the ones that the best tricks are the in camera ones that you try to that you mm-hmm. do in camera, and and so. Mirrors and mirror shots are are always kind of interesting when they're done well, uh, and and so and I also think it has a sort of the mirror ref, is always a reference to the the other the the person you're looking back at you the the person inside you know the kind of so horror movies yeah. for me are very much about what's 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 behind the mirror what's behind the the character and trying to so they're evocative in that way and so yeah we have a couple in this um we've got another one in in consecration that i'm just shooting now and of course jenna malone <laughs> was in the greatest there one of the great ever mirror shots she was in arrival not arrival um, yes not contact. Uh, uh, contact, contact yeah contact mm-hmm. she does and i asked her were you running backwards she goes no i was running it's that weird run you do she was and i running in in slow motion and they speed mm-hmm. it up and and uh, so in this film, yeah, we have a whole sequence where uh, her daughter goes through the mirror and then Jess is so good crying in the foreground when the daughter, and that's when she does the Kislowski wave, funny enough. So look, <laughs> look out for the Kislowski wave in that yeah. sequence. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the other thing, this movie doesn't seem to have very many jump scares, which is what a lot of horror movies seem to rely on uh, these days. Was that, I, I'm sure that was a conscious decision, but uh, tell me what your philosophy is on that. Yeah, so well, it's 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 it is and it isn't. It's like uh, mm-hmm. the the I love you know we love I love it you know everyone loves to to jump. It's like I think uh, you want 
I mean, I'm trying to balance the the annoying, really annoying kind of film that just tries and tries and tries all the time versus the ones that really blow you out the window. And, you know, think about something like, you know, The Exorcist is not there are jump scares in the exorcist that you don't think about. And yeah. some of them are very simple. You know, you've got the whole, she's walking down the corridor with the candle and and I love the fact that someone's following her with a ga- electric gas thing, that they're going to suddenly blow the can. It's going to suddenly practically <laughs> a big flame shoots out. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, a balancing act. Um, and, you know, would I, would I would pr- prefer we had a few more in there? Sure. I, you know, definitely mm. in the sense that, they are fun, but they they get they get cheap and tiring really quickly. If they sure not, do. You know, and if you're not feeling it, so I think that the, the key is to try and plan to get a number in there, and, and that's what I'm doing on the new one. <laughs> so, but build them up so well that they, you know, the best. I, I had the pleasure of having a dinner once with Ridley Scott. The best for me ever nice. jump scare is is in Alien when Tom yeah. Skerritt is going, he's upstairs, he's downstairs or whatever he is. And he's going through the pipe and they're all, mm-hmm. uh, they're all talking. To yes. Him and and literally all the, all the alien man does in his suit is sort of open his hands and go, yeah. <laughs> and I <just laughs> fucking threw my popcorn in the, in the reissue and he's still laughing. He's still proud of it. I mean, that honestly yeah. is the best one, I think. And yeah. also the one in, I also love the, the one in, uh, what's the one in Exorcist uh, 2? No, is it the two? The one with the... Uh, no, oh, three. The, no, three, the, three. Yeah. yeah. Exorcist 3, I really like that. That's a lesser-known film, but yeah, I love that one with the... No, that, with the, that's amazing. With the shears, with, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's trying to sort of... If you think about the build-up to that one in Exorcist 3, it goes on for fucking ever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and you've got... A, they, they, they get you, yeah. I think Blatty directed that, didn't he? That was a... He did. Yeah, yeah, he did. I, yeah. I I rewatched that recently. Like, yeah, she get like I forgot she gets up and like goes and checks on rooms and like it's yeah, it's yeah. a long time. I mean, she chats to some guy and he's letting his bed. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, it's when they're good, they're good. So you know, I think trying to find that balance is uh, now that I'm kind of reinvigorated. I'm sort of really enjoying doing horror movies because I believe that the way the market's changed, it's like. It's big TV, and that's great, and it keep everyone's working, and uh, and I enjoy it because there's a pleasure in doing big budget TV because you, you know, you've got a whole pool of writers, you've got there's so many resources, but there's something really personal and brilliant about making a movie that it feels so mm-hmm. different, and it's uh, and having all the restrictions and all the problem solving, and you know, being the film student on every scene that, that is so much, yeah, it's really inspired me now to make more i got a few coming out there's going to be a, a wave of them you'll be sick of me you'll be interviewing me all the time <laughs> did, i got a few horrors on the way so did you have did you have something that happened to you that uh you were not invigorated anymore no I mean, it not, wasn't, it, nothing no, it personal wasn't. obviously no no, just, no 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 so 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 i never started out to make horror movies i just wanted to make movies and uh, yeah. when i when i was uh just out of film school i'd written a thriller and i was trying to get it financed and uh and then suddenly someone said, Neil Marshall's just made Dog Soldiers. You should make a horror movie. So I go, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So I immediately went, what should I do? And I always remembered the scene in, in Texas, American World in London in the tube. And I'd always thought there would be a great movie to make a movie on a tube. So I literally sat down and started writing a movie that became Creep. And then 
without mm, be- mm-hmm. before I knew it, I'd suddenly been offered severance, and then I would try, and then I just did four on off the bat. So for me, it wasn't a case of oh, I'm tired of horror. It was like I've only just started out. It's like even though it was six years had passed, and for me, I was like, right now, I want to do a comedy. Now I want to do the thriller I always wanted to do. So I just found myself um, kind of just doing the things I wanted to do with no more planning than mm-hmm. before. But of course, if you look at it and you go, oh, he's made four films, horror movies, a horror director, but they all happened in a really organic way that I actually only wrote two of those, but I ended up making mm-hmm. four. And I didn't realize that you, that you get stuck with a kind of, you're a horror director, which is not right. an insult. It's not an insult, but it was, I wanted to just do other things. And, and, and so, and TV has afforded me that because, because of that now I, you know, and what it's brought to me is that I'm just doing the new one I'm doing now is you, you work with these, um, you, you become so match fit. You're like a footballer that plays. If you're doing working all the time and you're shooting all the time, the, the, you become a different filmmaker to the one who makes a film goes on tour in the festivals for celebrates for about a year touring around getting drunk at film festivals. Then you have to sit down and write another one before you get back on set. Three years have passed or two years have passed. You, you, and then you're, it's like, yeah, I've I've found a way of really understanding the filmmaking process more by, by doing a lot more work. So I've been very busy and now I want to bring Mm -hmm. some of what I've learned back and, and get back into it. So that that's, you know, and banishing is the, the kickoff point to that hopefully second wave yeah yeah and unfortunately we're gonna have to yeah. uh, end it uh, at this point i would like to talk some more to you but uh uh you know you got you got your busy person you got other things to do so you know where we'll uh we'll go ahead and wrap this up but thank you so much for talking to us today it's been a pleasure i've really enjoyed this mate and boys it's been real fun yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. I've I've been a I've been a huge fan since Creep, so it's been a real pleasure oh. to get to get to meet you and talk to you, man. Oh, fantastic! Well, hopefully, I'll be over in the states soon, so maybe we could we could sort of hook up and do something. We could do something cool. online, yeah, on camera or something. That'd be fab. <laughs> that would <laughs> be awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'll be over. Hopefully, hopefully next year we'll, with uh, consecration, I'll be doing. I'll be nice. to see Jenna. Oh, that'll be awesome. Nice one. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this interview. It's Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.